Welcome to the RPG Podcast. And we are live. Oh, God, Pat! Presented by Sheep. A Time Wheel Production. Welcome, everyone, to the Robert Patton Global Podcast. Once again, I am very honored to be here with Raquel Pennington, uh, UFC fighter. Uh, she's a local here in Colorado Springs, and we were just talking about injuries and how you deal with injuries, and we're in Colorado here. Are you allowed to talk about how you deal with injuries publicly? <laughs> Why not? Um, well, for one, being in Colorado, I hike a lot just to get out in nature, um, smoke a little weed, a little eat bit. some edibles, hang out, yeah, spend time with family. Yeah, I see you out in the wilderness like all the time when you do posts on Instagram, you're fishing, hunting, mm -hmm. hiking, hanging out. Yeah. So being born and raised here, I just kind of grew up. Um, I started hunting at the age of seven. Uh, my pompo taught us how to hunt, how to fish. So I'm just typical outdoors person. How, what did you call him? My pompo. Okay. Because mine was my... popo. Oh, really? It's pretty yeah. close. Mine is P-O-M-P-O. Mine is P-A-P-O. And then my nana. So they've always just had us outdoors. Um, my mom got us into hiking ever since I was young and I do absolutely everything outdoors so when I'm not living in the gym I'm outside and let me tell you that's just like a reset to the soul yeah that seems to be a passion of yours and I'd like part of the podcast we talk about success we talk about what it takes to be successful and part of that is resetting you know you gotta go hard train prepare but then the rest and recovery is, is amply important in life in general. It's extremely important. You know, I think a lot of people, they get wrapped up in just being a professional athlete. And the way that we kind of say it is, um, I go from like just living life and then I go zero to a hundred as soon as they call about a fight. Uh, because I'm on vacation, I live life. I love to eat food, try all the different things. And I mean, do I love working out and do I like being in the gym and staying in shape? I very much so do. Um, but we always joke as far as my Mexi roll, because obviously it gets bigger and that's how we know what I'm coming out of, like just living life, because that's my reset. Um, it's not about just taking a couple days out of the gym and feeling better or having the weekend off and feeling better. Like I actually have to just reset mentally and emotionally. And that's being away from the gym at those times, hanging out with my friends, my family, uh, spending a lot of me time out in nature or traveling. Um, so that's actually the reset for me. Yeah, we all have our things. I mean, it's a marathon for me. I work every day, seven days a week. You know, obviously that's every day. And, uh, <laughs> but I can't work all day every day. You know, I have to take time out of the day to take a hike. We live, I live on this uh, national forest area here. Yeah, it's a sweet view. Yeah, very sweet. And <laughs> I'm very blessed with that. I, you know, my mornings are out here drinking coffee and just staring off in the mountains, maybe reading, doing some breathing. I've been getting really into the Wim Hof breathing exercises. I'm sure you've heard of him, mm -hmm. but are you familiar with the exercises at all? Or do you... I'm not familiar with it. Yeah, I, uh, I've gone through different like breathing techniques and mm -hmm. stuff. I wouldn't know what names to actually put to them. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you something, when you're not used to actually focusing on there's a way to breathe when you're going through a fight and to be able to control things and work with getting the oxygen to go to your muscles and stuff. But when you're actually sitting there just trying to center everything and you're doing certain types of breathing, it's kind of exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> it, and it's overwhelming the body with oxygen. And it's a, if you play around with it, you can really get into some interesting states of consciousness and energy. I was talking with... A woman this weekend who does breath work and she calls it like a superpower and I can I agree because of the experiences I've been having with it download the Wim Hof app I'm not getting anything out of it it's like <laughs> fun in a way and you get energized it, it, it'll like wake you up it's like a cup of coffee and it's been bleeding over I get like so much out of it. I'm doing some of the other techniques, which he's called the Iceman. And so he does ice baths. And so I've been doing that. And oh, that, those are always fun. Yeah. I mean, it's a mental challenge just getting in and then staying in. I think once you get part the 
past the mental part as far as like for me it's like the first minute and a half to two minutes um but as soon as you can get past that i think the worst part is because if i injure my hand or just my foot i actually have to take an entire ice bath because i cannot just ice those areas um so the worst part of the initial ice bath is when my feet or my hands are freezing <laughs> but then as soon as you get past that for me it's super relaxing and then the way it makes your body feel mm-hmm. i know that they have the cryotherapy which mm-hmm. I mean, it's a fast version of an ice bath and it feels 10 times better because you only freeze for about three minutes. But I would honestly say I like the actual ice bath um, and then just the refreshing feeling about 20 minutes later after I thaw out. Agreed. I actually took like a cold shower before I try to, it's kind of a ritual to do before a podcast these days just to get pumped up. And I've done that cryotherapy also and it's... Too, it's almost too easy yeah you know like bef- you're out there before you really even start feeling it and i don't know i guess there are beneficial effects i'm sure there are obviously there are but the it lasts longer from like an ice bath i feel like i think we like the mental challenge too yeah, yeah so <laughs> that's it's, where it comes from <laughs> man it's like pain you like pain get in the ice bath are you is your life too easy i feel like a lot of people's lives in America are so soft and cushy that they don't challenge themselves or their body enough. They don't put enough stress on themselves. And we see them. Shit's getting crazy (laughs) out there, you know, and I don't know what, you know, it's all attributed to. There's like many factors happening, but on a personal level, you know, I feel for me putting myself through that, makes like and there's like nothing else stressful happening like any it's a it's a exercise in stress management and when i'm done with that like i can kind of handle anything you sound like me with yoga uh-huh. everybody's like center your chi in yoga it's so relaxing but i'm stressed out the entire time through yoga i absolutely hate stretching for one even though it's super like important and needed. Well, maybe and you feel like you need to get out and do something. I don't know. Maybe you feel like you need to be moving. I just feel like every muscle is going to tear when I'm going through yoga because I try to do it a little way too intense, Ooh. I think. Um, so I don't really know how to center my chi in yoga yet. Um, so your ice baths sound like my yoga sessions. Although afterwards, I feel like just a brand new person. Yeah. Till the next session. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like this stress put on your body and then the release and then the release is like the ah moment i guess where you can appreciate yeah what's going on around you um thank you again for coming oh, and you brought sure. juan gonzalez the uh kickboxing coach got wonton here yeah what's up guys how you doing good I'm glad to be here haven't been on what was the last time i was on was you three years ago it's been th- this is the revamped new and improved Robert Patton Global. It's on all the channels and stuff. Gotcha. You know, you you grew up here in Colorado Springs doing your wilderness thing. And, uh, you know, but at some point you became famous, like a celebrity. And how has that, how did that like affect you? You know, like how do you deal with that and mentally and, or in, what do you kind of say to yourself, if anything? Mm, it just be kind. It kind of becomes a lifestyle, you know. I mean, you get used to the transition of everything. People coming up to you all the time, wanting photos. Um, just having that platform or something to reach out to people and be able to talk in a different way. Um, for me, I've always wanted to be a professional athlete. I never thought in a million years it would be fighting. Although I grew up beating my cousins, <laughs> I grew up beating my cousins up all the time. So I think a part of me should have known that. But, um, well, it wasn't really a profession yet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's a way of life. And I think for me is it's a passion of mine. So, you know, I'm just waking up and I'm living my passion every single day and I'm grateful and I'm blessed for that. And I just kind of keep the pressure off of myself. Like, you know, I mean, there's a huge spectrum to it and I fight on the biggest platform that there is. Mm -hmm. But when I take that away or when I take away how many people are actually viewing or paying attention to things or life on social media, and I just continue to live in the life that I'm living every single day. Uh, I think that's what just kind of keeps me humble and keeps me sane, and um, it just keeps it enjoyable. Because it's easy to get wrapped up in this kind of life and to lose track of things, and then, um, I don't know, I mean, I just, I'm grateful for the cards that's been dealt to me, and so I just have fun with it. 
It was really cool to be from the outside in because I know Raquel before there's women in the UFC. I think she just handled going famous perfectly, <laughs> you know, and uh, she's got an amazing story as far as like there was nowhere for her to go when she first started competing, you know, in mixed martial arts as a woman. And then to see where she is now and, you know, it's just awesome. And she uses it as a great platform to reach out to a lot of people. And you know, I think she stayed humble throughout the whole time and it's been great knowing her this whole time. And so many people I talk to are so excited. Like, oh my gosh, you know, Raquel. And I'm like, yeah. And, What's she like? I'm like, she's a normal person. <laughs> you know, she didn't <laughs> change. <me. laughs> yeah, she didn't change in that, you know, that period of, you know, becoming super famous. But I have a question for you, actually, because I wasn't with you when you fought and uh, when there was no crowd. How did that change? How was that for you? Because I know sometimes your biggest enemy is yourself. So what was it like or to go? Or my stage fright. Your stage fright, yeah. <laughs> like, how was that? Um, you know, it was, it was exciting for me, actually. I, uh, it felt like the ultimate fighter. So just being on there, the ultimate fighter was actually a bigger crowd, just given the fact that we had our teammates and we had the coaches, um, and then the production stuff was there. This time around, it was just like, you had your corners, there was the other, your opponent's corners, and then you had a few production in there and the judges and stuff. Um, but other than that, for me, it felt like it was just a super relaxed environment. So I can go out there. I felt like I was going to the gym and I just had another sparring partner with bad intentions. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a lot of fun. It brought back just a ton of memories. The way we were quarantined kind of felt the same way as being locked in the house. I mean, back then we didn't, we weren't allowed to have magazines and TV and music and cell phones. So we didn't know anything that was going on outside of the ultimate fighter house. And this time around, like we were stuck in the hotel room because of COVID, but I mean, we can still reach out to our everyday life, our family and stuff. But then it was just kind of that same thing where you got to focus on you and exactly what you were doing. So I had a blast. My nerves were completely at ease. And I mean, it. I think this time around was the first time that I really needed this reset because I mean, you for one, you've known the struggles that I've been through since 2016. I mean, just going through the ups and downs, haven't been able to catch a break, whether it was my health, injuries, whatever it was, um, just not being in the right mental state, uh, emotionally, just not being in the best place. And I really struggled with fighting. And there was one point where I was just like, you know, I kind of want to hang it up. I can't figure out how to get back to myself and feel normal again. Uh, and this time around, I mean, I finally felt like myself. So it just amped up that motivation. And now I'm just excited to climb back to the top and I understand where I belong again and having fun with it. So you got to have fun oh, with yeah. it. And <clears throat> yeah, the quarantine was a great reset for a lot of people. I find the go, go, goingness of life coming to a halt and getting to breathe for a second was... We just get so wrapped up in an everyday life that I think people forget. I know it was a struggle for a lot of people, but there were some people that just genuinely needed a reset. And mm -hmm. I mean, even probably you, you don't even realize how much you're doing every single day. I didn't realize like what an active life I had just mm -hmm. because you're so used to it. And then when I got to reset and quarantine and kind of get things done that I've been wanting to get done, but couldn't get done because I didn't seem to have the time or the mm -hmm. energy the after energy. training. I mean, it was so fulfilling and rewarding for me that, I mean, I, it sucks what everybody has gone through in the struggles and people losing their loved ones or of people course. getting sick and stuff. But on the flip side of things, there was like a lot of positive that, I mean, I can forever be grateful for on that. Um, me too. And, you know, I, thinking back when I would have somewhere to go, some, something I had to do, I'd get this anxiety and I'm like, I don't have the energy to deal with this. I'm like constantly going, I'm all like at a 10, you know, all day, every day or whatever. And just even in my mind, if not my body and the anxiety of thinking I had to go somewhere when we couldn't go anywhere, it was like, sweet. It felt like a worldwide approved vacation in yeah, a sense. So staycation. it's like, I didn't feel guilty for eating all the foods. I yeah, didn't feel guilty no for not being at the gym because I knew I wasn't the only one. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, even though being a professional athlete and that's supposed to be my job, like nobody else can do it unless we were at home doing whatever. And I mean, Tisha and I, we turned our home, our gym into, or our garage into a home gym. Of course. And so, I mean, we were doing certain workouts, but then it was just, we had so many home projects that we were pretty much getting our workout from doing all our landscaping and switching our yards around and everything that we mm. wanted to do that it was just, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I felt way better coming back into the gym. Yeah. Because, and you're refreshed, you're renewed, you know, and we actually moved out here 
in April. So March had happened. We were, we were looking during the quarantine and it was a kind of a bitch to get approved because of they increased a lot of uh, conditions and yeah. stuff, but we're doing well and we got it done. And during the, you know, quarantine, we were also remodeling this house. It looked nothing like what it does now. And, um, it was, you know, like kind of mandatory to stay home anyways. So then I think everyone was doing that. The lines at Wal- uh, Home, Depot. Home Depot were just oh, out the door. Out the door, I know. Yeah. I like lived there every other day getting new stuff and everybody was there. <laughs> yeah. For whatever reason, Lowe's was like, you could just walk in and walk out. But Home Depot was, they had it super strict with, with counts and whatnot. Um, we're very blessed. I mean, I'm, I feel like I say that every day uh, and, and it's a beautiful thing. In fact, I was talking to my therapist yesterday and he was like, you know, I don't think you really need to see me anymore. Cause I'm, you know, things are going so well, well adjusted. I was in the army and I did a couple tours, saw a lot of dead people and whatever. I've been seeing a therapist since then, 2008, you know, for 10 years. And no sleep. I'm finally sleeping way better. Like That's not good. perfect, but like so much better. Good. Yeah. And I feel this sense of pe- like at ease. I think it might be my wife a little bit because <laughs> she like, I can like she did what she does with these dogs and they come in and they're all schizo and then she calms them down. And over time she gets them well enough to be adopted out. <clears throat> and maybe I'm, I was a little bit like that, just like uh, on a, a weird vibration. Is your calm, your yeah. peace. Yeah, and so when that's she's good. in the bed and I'm in the bed, like we can, I can sleep now. And so that's a beautiful thing. This is my kind of vibe, though. I need to come hang out with her, all the dogs. Yeah. All my dogs. It'll just be like a huge puppy farm. You, <laughs> We could take them on a walk into the National Forest. Yes. It's a beautiful thing. We would love to have you. I'm sure she would love to have you. Mine's she's... going to be more like a run. My dogs are crazy. So we let a couple off leash. Couples have to stay on because they you can't control them. But it's a we call it like a circus. You see me trying to walk mine at night on the street. Seven dogs. <laughs> did you get Seven attacked? dogs. You got attacked not that long ago. I did get attacked. What happened? Tell Dog them. bit me. Oh, I got what? this lovely <sighs> scar. But Doc is a shit, and he put my tattoo back together, so you can't really tell. Nice. But I took some stitches on both sides. It was it was a good time. This dog tried to attack my dog, and mm-hmm. it wasn't happening. Like mommy mode kicked in, and I picked up my dog, and that dog attacked me. Oh and my god! I was about to kill that dog, and it was a huge. So it mess. was off leash then. Yeah, yeah, it was a great time. That's the pro. Like she. It was a pretty sweet yeah. cut. I sent it to Tisha. My arm was bleeding everywhere, and she's panicking. You're like we have a problem. It was a very dramatic situation. Uh. We went to the doctor and. He stitched me right up. Why do you have so many dogs? I just love dogs. <laughs> I love animals. Yeah, ask I have, her how many cats she has, too. I have what two else? cats. I thought you had three. No. Oh, okay. okay. I got two cats. We rescued one from Dubai, and then his name is Dubai. And we rescued <laughs> one from Kauai. Her name is Kauai. Um, but then I have seven dogs. I actually only had six dogs. Oh, but I went to the grocery store like... Two months ago at 9.30 at night, I was really craving graham crackers. And I, so I ended up getting out of bed, went to the grocery store, and I came home with a dog and graham crackers. How did you get a dog? This girl was walking through the store with this dog. He had a collar embedded in his neck. He had a big old cyst on his back leg. He was walking with his head crooked. You could tell he had an ear infection. He was just a mess, and she said it was her friend's dog. They were going to kill it. Um, She needed somebody to take the dog. She took it from them, but she couldn't take it home in her current situation. So she needed somebody to take the dog for at least a night until the shelter is open the next morning. So she was walking around the grocery store and she looked a hot mess. And it was just, I felt bad for this dog. And I was like, okay, I can't leave this dog in this situation. And she said, he's terrible with kids, terrible with dogs, terrible with cats, took him home. And he's like, he's definitely a puppy, but he is so good with kids. He actually loves my cats. He tries to hump them. So he's not bad with them. Um, he gets along well with all my dogs that I've introduced him to. I have one dog that has little man syndrome, so I won't 
put them together. That's what um, we have. Or we have a little, our little Winston. Yeah. He's like so tiny, but bark, like he thinks he's a giant. And ugh. So I was initially just going to like foster him, get him better and then adopt him out. But mm-hmm. he's become my buddy. Like he, he's got everything down now. He sits like, sits, lays, shakes, does belly rubs. He'll do his little army crawl. Um, I just keep teaching him things. He'll, if I tell him to stay, he stays in certain areas and I can walk off and then come back and he's still in that same area. Um, so, I mean, especially now with me having an injury right now, I mean, he's my walking buddy. We just, the other ones, they have their certain lengths that they can go just given their breeds and stuff. And if they get tired or whatnot or their health conditions, but he goes a lot further. So he just became my bud. So he worked his way in for yeah. a permanent home. <laughs> if you're yeah, good. I don't think Raquel can foster dogs. She'll end up keeping like 30. She'll build, Basically. A, build a farm and keep them all. And... Basically. Yeah. <laughs> what, I mean... Every dog we get, we consider, is this going to be the last one that we just adopt? But if we adopt one, then we can't, we'll, we would stop fostering them because then five would be too many in our opinion, but you have seven. So then there's never too many. I think my problem is, okay, I'm getting older. I definitely, I still have time in fighting, but I also want kids, Mm -hmm. but I just don't want to take time off to have kids. Mm -hmm. So I think I just like, when I get baby fever, I just get another dog. Yeah. <laughs> There's the real answer. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I think you guys have something in common, but that's, <laughs> um, that, and what I was saying earlier about wanting to take care of dogs, like when, I, when, I, when we were not quite as successful as we were, it's just that intention was there and now we're doing it. And that's a beautiful thing is part of, success or whatever is is having that vision of where you want to be in the future and I have these vision boards of what we what I want um I have Tony Ferguson on there and he and we had sponsored him earlier this year and Mm -hmm. he messaged me the other day he saw a sheath sticker on the back of a bumper of a car in LA traffic and he just he was like yo he's like he he sends everything when he texts it's like um like letters what is in like um like losing my train of thought a little bit, but, um, you know, he says champ shit only, but, yeah, but that's not what I'm saying. Like it's like acronyms or whatever. Like that's pretty cool to have Tony Ferguson. He's like, anyways, he's cool. That's cool. <laughs> right. Cause he's well, kind of crazy. That's really cool. to have your sticker in LA. Like, man, that's, yeah. you made it all the way across the country. And those come and we're the only like distribution point. I, I actually ship out of this house. We ship like 20% of the total orders, but we're the only ones that put stickers in the orders. And so whatever that one came from us. So that's cool. And we have four distribution centers in the U.S. and one in Canada. And we're kind of consolidating things right now with COVID. Shit went a little haywire. We were actually going to be expanding to Europe. We had a distribution center there lined up. And when it hit, we were like, let's bring everything in back home home like because we had professional warehouses doing yeah. the orders and but like bring it home and it was a beautiful thing because our warehouse got shut down but because of my genius foresight and it was just luck really but we were able to keep orders being fulfilled during a month-long stretch of a transition from one warehouse to another it got bought out and it was like this craziness but that's it's life that's business oh yeah for sure and you know i i think fighting is i love it because it's such a metaphor for life and but like at the ultimate you're getting in a cage you're risking it all and you got to prepare for that moment like and that could be a job interview or uh whatever you know audition whatever it is you're something you're doing you all the work you guys put into training to get to that moment if people worked that hard at anything i feel like they would excel at whatever they choose you know yeah um and you might lose because sometimes you lose but then you that's how you bounce back yeah like do you give up when you lose and you're knocked down or do you find the motivation you find the positive out of it and where do you want to go from that so it's like how well do you bounce back so many people quit at their first loss you know, mm-hmm. it's a, do you, that's like one of the principles, like, are not principles, but it's one of the telltale signs of somebody that d- doesn't have what it takes. Cause you gotta 
you know, try again because there's the universe is going to challenge you. You're not going to just walk through life, no. <laughs> walk through all your opponents. Life is always going to throw curveballs, <laughs> yeah. regardless of what that looks like. Some the, good, some bad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and that's and so when it's good, feel appreciative of it because you know it may not last or uh, you know and I, I try to not i feel like there's a lot of woo woo um in life kind of mystical energies and stuff and if you take things for granted they might be taken away from you and appreciate what you have you might get more this is kind of what i try to keep in mind as always and the mind is everything you know and so even when it's bad even if you don't have everything, I mean, some people like they have such high expectations in life or these big dreams and sometimes that don't always work out, but then you can come across people who don't have like, they're not in an ideal situation that most people would even see as ideal, but they're so grateful and just mm -hmm. so blessed. I mean, mm -hmm. it's all about perspective. Yeah. How are you going to look at things? You, I mean, if you don't, if wherever you are, you know, you should be appreciative of what you have if you're, you know, healthy and have the mind to think. And it's only going to make your life better thinking positive, in my experience. Negative brings negative. Positive oh, brings yeah. back positive. For sure. And when you're in a negative, I always tend to think, <laughs> okay, it's going to get better now because I know this sucks. I'm in it and this is shitty, but I know how life goes and it goes up and down and when I'm down, it's going to come back up. When I'm up, maybe it stays up. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. But I, think, I think the psychology of fighting, I think Raquel could tell you the best because she worked with a couple um, sports psychologists, was even just talking about the fight. There's a way to do it to where you don't get more anxious about it. There's different words that can trigger certain reactions, certain emotions, whether it can be positive or negative. Um, so it's like, it's a huge communication thing. Like, how do you kind of communicate with, like if I was to communicate with my coaches, how would I communicate with them as far as um, what's gonna get me motivated and what's gonna get me excited for the fight as opposed to what's gonna actually, they might think that they're trying to motivate me with something, but what can actually be making me anxious mm -hmm. and nervous about things. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people even with the whole idea of leading up to anything, I mean, your body's gonna react to things regardless. So if you're preparing for a fight and you're gonna make that walk out to the octagon, that's one of the scariest things to ever go through. I mean, it's something that I have yet to put into words. Just as soon as those curtain doors open, you see all those people and then the idea of walk, taking that walk and you're getting locked into an octagon with somebody else who, I mean, you guys have the same intentions towards each other. Mm -hmm. And anything can happen in there. Um, but it's just like, how do you process those nerves? And a lot of people, when they start feeling nervous, they right away take it to a, a negative place and then they become anxious and then it just spirals down the rabbit hole from there. And for me, I like to take the nerves and kind of relate them to my body saying that it's prepared. Um, but it's not always that easy, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's, it's how you're gonna go through it. And Juan's been with me to where, there's been times we're getting ready to walk out to the cage we're waiting for the music to play and i'm like can we walk out this exit door <laughs> just because i mean it can play such a huge part but i mean you know a lot of people ask they're just what is fighting and stuff and i mean i like to say fighting is seriously like 10 percent of it but it's 90 percent mental like even though fighting is so physical it really is you can win the fight before you even go in there it's where your mind is going to be at and then you go out there and you just perform and your body flows and goes into the state or if you're doing all the crazy things inside your mind and you're kind of questioning things or freaking out a little bit too much, then all of a sudden it's going to play a part in how you're breathing, how fast your body's going to um, react. react. To, mm -hmm. If you're going to like not be able to breathe while you're in there and actually recover in between rounds, if you're not going to be in a flow state, I mean, yeah. there's so much that goes into so it. So I want to talk about that. You so because that's the fascinating part of consciousness is mm -hmm. being in that flow state. And you've been in enough fights. I imagine you've been in it and out of it. And oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Especially I, multiple times within the recent years. Like, I mean, I've gone back and forth within the recent years. And some of it was like walking in there with injury and different things behind the scenes. 
um, and then trying to just go in there because mentally I wanted to be somewhere. Physically, I wasn't ready, ready mm -hmm. or physically it felt like I was ready, but then mentally I wasn't ready. Like I've had a battle within the recent years of lining up the two to fill in that flow state and just going out there and feeling like myself and being able to perform. Mm -hmm. It's definitely one of the most complicated things because I've seen that. I've seen Raquel be physically ill, but mentally ready to fight when she fought Kat Zingano. And Raquel's always ready to fight, even when she shouldn't have took that fight. Yeah. <laughs> she was vomiting and she got, uh, you know, we think salmonella, salmonella poisoning. And then uh, it sucked to find out talking to the sports psychologist how much of an influence I have and how I can actually tilt the fight in the bad way. And I own that I screwed up when she fought Leslie Smith because I thought the right thing was to get her fired up and pissed off. So I slapped her. <laughs> <laughs> right before she walked out, and man, I mean, she was so angry that first round, and it was awesome, but she had the worst adrenaline dump. So round two and three, couldn't and just even function. Couldn't move. Like, flat it was footed. Like yeah. You wanted to pick up your arms, but no energy, no nothing, because it was just like a complete dump. And it's frustrating because your mind tells you one thing, but then your body's reacting a completely different way. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you can even see it as a spectator watching other fights, and you know that's where it gets frustrating too when people are actually comment commentating on the fights because then they're like in certain moments they're like oh this person's injured oh these people look exhausted oh that they have something but being an actual athlete and going through all the different phases in there and seeing it like there's just different points of reaction in there and there's some things that you may not even know what led into that fight or why people aren't performing a certain way i mean there's i like the iceberg effect we've talked about it so many times i mean when you're sitting there it's like Okay, you're driving through the water, you can see the top of the iceberg, but you cannot see all mm -hmm. of what's underneath. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so it's the same thing with fighting in that perspective. Like you don't see what goes in to everything behind the scenes, mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, you see the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, you just see the tip of the iceberg, which is the fight that everybody sees. And that's what you get judged most off of. Yeah. Um, but they have no clue what everything else is. And then it's just like when people, when the true fans actually want to listen and understand and see or understand what we're going through i mean there's so much more to it and that's the cool part about mma is everybody has a completely different story everybody has a completely different perspective and i mean i don't think there's one person to ever walk into the octagon 100 percent healthy at all whether that's physically emotionally mentally um and so it's just i mean it's it's a really unique thing i love it I love it. I'm thinking of like Anderson Silva and Michael Jordan at the same time. Sometimes I think two things at the same time, but like <laughs> the amount, well, like Anderson seemed to be in the zone. Like he would be moving in slow motion, like the matrix and shit. And that's where every fighter I imagine wants to be mentally when you go in and just, they move and you see it coming a mile away and you're like, Oh my God. He was like the master of that. Mm -hmm. Right. And Jordan, he has this new documentary um, on Netflix. Last the last, yeah. Did you watch it? I haven't watched it yet. I've heard a lot about it. So good. I love Jordan growing up. Like, Me too. Big thing. But everybody that I've talked to that's watched that, they said it's going to completely change your perspective. He, they say he was, he's an asshole. I look at him as a competitor with that fucking spirit that it takes to become what he became. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. It's something to behold. And he got in the zone, obviously. And... You know, I've read books about it becoming Superman or something. And it obviously takes, it's the preparation and the, the muscle memory of it all. You know, that's coming in with, I mean, just like the proper mind state. Um, I've played basketball my whole life. and Me too. Yeah? What position did you play? I guess like point or shooting guard. Yeah, I was big on shooting guard. Yeah, yeah. Probably same. I, I was never, I tried to be point, but I was probably more the shooting guard. And I was, I would shoot like the short 17 jumper, take it to, and I've gotten better at lay, like taking it to the hole. I always used to just over whatever. And I would not, I couldn't make layups cause I'd be so excited, <laughs> you know, it'd like brick. Too much energy. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have, we the, always had plays for me, the, um, where they would set all the screens and I was always shooting the threes. Ooh. Yeah. The three, I, my arms weren't, uh, strong enough for whatever reason it was funny because uh what was it three three years ago when i went through wrist surgery and shoulder surgery uh my biggest thing coming back because we would always like go and play basketball just to cut some weight or have some fun interacting as a team and stuff 
And so when I was going through recovery for my wrist surgery, I was like, doc, my wrist does not work. And he's like, what do you mean? Can't you punch? I'm like, I can't shoot hoops. Mm -hmm. I don't have the flick. And he's like, you're not a basketball player. And I'm like, I will always be a basketball player. I need the flick back. And then I couldn't even throw, like with my shoulder. I was like, doc, my, this recovery is not going well. And he's all like, well, we're still a little behind, but what's the problem? I'm like, I can't come back here. And he's like, you don't punch like that. I'm like, no, but I throw a ball from here. <laughs> like, I need this back. Yeah. He's like, mm, this is very confusing. Like, what do you want in life? I'm like, I all, want it of, all. all of it. Yes. Give it back. I, I injured my shoulder snowboarding a couple years ago, and it's finally back to normal where I can, I guess I could, you know, do whatever you were just doing with your like throwing arm <laughs> yeah. type stuff. I'm making sure this is still got enough battery and everything. I think we're good. Um, the flow state. I, so yeah, like, you know, I was telling the story recently about high school basketball on the court. The first time I get in the game, first game my dad comes to, and all I can think is he's, my dad's watching me, you know, and that's not good when you're trying to do something <laughs> and it sucked. It was horrible. I cried the last time I brought it up. I'm not going to cry this time. But like, <laughs> um, it was, you know, like, and that always happened mm-hmm. like that. They're, they're watching me. They're going to laugh at me They're You know, I'm not going to be good enough. That fucks the whole shit up. You can't perform like that. Yeah. You spread yourself too thin. You're yeah. thinking about one too many things instead of the actual, I've, get, I've gotten older and, don't play as much as I used to. Unfortunately, I love that game. And it's like my happy place. If just going around and shooting around by myself on the court that I like I did for a thousand hours when I was a teenager. Tisha actually bought me a hoop during quarantine. And she was like, I thought you should get back to your roots here. And so she bought me a, a hoop. And I, there were so many days that I just sat out there shooting and it was amazing how it just like, mm. I can, you lose track of time. Mm. Like one night I was out there and she's like, you ever coming in? I'm like, what time is it? Three hours had passed and it just felt like I was out there for 45 minutes just shooting around. But it's like just a different feeling, different yeah. calm when you center yourself in that and you're kind of lost in the your own world. I think it kind of goes to fighting too. Like how you were saying, I mean, with the situation with your dad and like having your mind all these different places, it can be the same thing with fighting. I've gone through phases to where I've been in the best place mentally, physically, and emotionally, and I was surrounded. I think a lot of it has to do with your surroundings too. So I was surrounded with the right people and it was just, you know, it was a small circle. Everything was great. The support was in all the right directions. Um, But that's what gets hard in when you become successful. Then so many people want in the mix and you get so many hands in the pot. And then naturally as a human being, I mean, your brain, you can get an opinion from here and from here and here, and then you just start thinking about it all. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you kind of lose sight of everything. And then you're spread so thin Mm -hmm. that like, where's your actual flow at? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It throws you off your energy. And then that's when it's like, okay, when, how are you going to become successful again? Or how are you going to make yourself just happy in general? And I had to do that and just kind of like reset and step back and like, see what that was going to look like for me. Like um, cut some people out maybe mm-hmm. and be a little selective with your circle. Sometimes you got to be selfish, but it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. If it's going to center you happy because, I mean, you got to be happy before you can make anybody else happy. And so being an athlete like that, you got to be selfish sometimes. And that was one thing that was really hard for me was to learn to be selfish. Everybody's like, you're way too humble as a fighter. And um, then you're not selfish enough. And when I learned that, like, I will forever be humble. That's in my DNA. But as far as being selfish, like, I've learned how to put those boundaries up. And, man, what it does for you just as an individual, like, I feel so much better. And now I can see from different angles on how thin I was spreading myself. And I'm like, wow, like, I just actually feel recharged for once. Yeah, I think when you make something the ultimate thing, that's always a recipe for disaster because, yeah, you spread yourself out too thin. You start to think outcome, right? And we know how bad that is to think about the outcome. But anything anything in life, it becomes the ultimate thing. It's What do you mean it's bad to think about the outcome? Yeah, well, I mean, Raquel could probably go into that better because she had a little more Yeah, so, like, I mean, I think it's about effort. So, you know, I coach high school gymnastics, and what I always tell them, it's just it's not about the outcome. Like, I don't care if you get first place as opposed to if you get last place in this competition. But it's about maximum effort because I feel like if you go out there and the same thing with me, 
if I go out there and I put my maximum effort into a fight, but it just happens to not be my night and I'm not the one that gets my hand raised, I can't be disappointed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like there's absolutely nothing to be disappointed in that aspect because I went out there and absolutely gave it my best, but it just wasn't my night. Um, and then those are things that you can take back and you can continue to grow, but you have a proud feeling instead of being knocked completely down because the only thing that you were focused on was getting your hand raised. And then at the end of the night, you didn't perform at all, but then you also didn't get your hand raised. So now overall, it's just a huge disappointment. So I think it's important to focus on maximum effort as opposed to winning and losing. Because regardless, winning and losing, one of them's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. But when you're sitting here focusing on maximum effort, you naturally get into a state to where all of a sudden you're gonna perform at your best. Mm -hmm. And then most likely that outcome you want is gonna happen. And if it doesn't happen, then like I said, you're still proud at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, most people, you know, you hear fighters talk about getting their hand, being raised, visualizing that. So you're saying just what does visualizing maximum effort mean? You know, a lot of I, I think a lot of people focus on it's like I mean, he's even said it to me, you know, visualize your hand getting raised. My cousin says it to me. Visualize a thousand times your hand getting raised. Well, that's one thing throughout the night. But it's like what's in between to get mm-hmm. to that? So for me, like I like to visualize like a start to finish. I like to visualize what I'm doing when I get there and it's like how I'm gonna warm up, how I'm gonna feel, how I want my body to feel. And then I'm gonna visualize that walk out to the octagon. I'm gonna visualize like taking in the crowd experience and then I'm just gonna visualize being in there whether I had an eight week camp, a three week camp, whatever it is. But I like to visualize all that work I put in, the different combinations, the different exertion points that I did um, that all of a sudden lead to this outcome. And so for me, like my visualization is just like a series of everything as opposed to one thing yeah. of just getting my hand raised. That makes more sense. I just hear, you know, uh, the final outcome. That's all. And even Henry Cejudo, while well, he was talking about on Rogan, how he reenacts the whole thing to get that level of maybe comfort of mental. <clears throat> it's important. I mean, we've we done did that it a couple of times. Yeah, we've, worked, yeah. we've had moments to where even if it's just a spar session at the gym, they'll send me into the back room and do the walkout and then with the music. they'll play my song. I have nice. to do the walkout. And even if it's just the coaches cheering for me, like you got to get used to that walkout. I like that. The, the seconds it takes, the minutes it takes, and then you're getting the Vaseline. And then you're getting your water. They're giving you your mouth guard. You get in there. They want me to take my lap because that's what I naturally do when I get into the octagon. And then they do like a little quick introduction. And then all of a sudden me and my sparring partner are just doing what we do every single time. But then we get that minute in between the rounds. And it's like, okay, like, how are you going to feel in between the rounds? Do you want a stool this time? Do you not want to sit? How, what do you want in a fight? And like, we basically build a routine of what we're going to go through. So ultimately when fight night comes, we've been through it a thousand times at the gym already. Mm-hmm. That is just another night in the office. Like truly. No, that's, that's what I would think you would work the best, you know, like, cause then it's just muscle memory. You don't even have to think you can get into that flow state. Yeah. I think yeah. The, the best athletes have like the best nights when they interview, I'm like, man, why did you do so well today? You know, whatever, catching the ball or whatever. And they always have to say the same thing in the interview. Like, man, I just went in there and my body took over. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's like, that's that flow state where it's, you know, you really didn't have any external things pulling you away and spreading yourself out too thin. You're just doing what you're in there and doing what you love to do. What does it feel like to you, Raquel, when you're in that state? My flow state? Yeah. It's just cool. I mean, I can probably say, so my last fight was, uh, I was definitely in a flow state and afterwards, like. It was just fun. Like leading up to the fight, fight week was extremely fun. I embraced every moment of it. I was laughing, just feeling grateful, feeling blessed throughout it all, just taking it all in instead of being so stressed out and so worked up the whole time. And then like, oh my gosh, I got to cut this weight and it's Mm -hmm. just going to be stressful. And you know, I I got a really scary phone call um, the day of weight cut, actually, like as soon as I stepped into my little weight cutting room to start my phone rang and I got a scary call from the doctor that I ended up having to deal with the following week when I got home. But it was just like, okay, like even with that, like everything was so positive and I could have took that moment and just broke, but it was just like, you know, there's nothing like I'm here in this moment. Like I have these opportunities and like if today was my last day, like how am I going to take it all in? So I just continued to go on and, um, you know, I mean, just doing that and having fun with it all, embracing all those moments 
when I went out that night into the octagon, I mean, it was fun. Just that's all I can say. It was just genuinely fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was doing exactly what I love. My body was just definitely flowing. Yeah. I mean, things to go back and watch it, it was just like, man, I like, I can't tell you like the last time that I actually wanted to let my hands go. I mean, my last fight was a lot of clench just because it was working on her. Like she didn't adjust at all. So I stayed there. But just to like consistently stay going and pushing forward and doing the things that like I've been wanting to do for so long, but I wanted it so bad and was doing all the wrong things to where when this time I just had fun and let it flow in there. I mean, overall, it was just, it was super rewarding. It was fun. It's a fun fight to talk about. Mm -hmm. It's as opposed to those ones that like I can look back on and I'm just like super frustrated or I can't even remember what happened because the emotions just got the best of me. Can you carry that forward, you know, like what you learned from this last fight to, I mean, uh, you know, to your next fight? Do you think that's something? Yeah. I mean, I think I've definitely, me and uh, my head coach, we were talking about it and it was just like, you know, I think also with the fact of just getting older, being in this sport for almost 13 years now, I mean, there's a shift. Like, it's like, I'm here. This is what I'm doing. There's nobody who comes to my house every single day and drags me out of bed. Like, I wake up, I choose to put myself through this. I travel to Denver three days a week, so I'm waking up at six o'clock in the morning and hitting the road and tra- training all day and doing the things. And like, that's something that comes within me. Um, so it's just like, you know, for me, I guess my mental state just kind of shifted a lot and some some sense of maturity hit in there about the fact that like, the answers don't come from a uh, sports psychologist for me and they don't come in a book. Like I have them within myself. It's just about getting out of my own way and having fun with it. Like that was my biggest Mm -hmm. thing. I hit a point to where I wasn't having fun. So I think that was the big shift in my last fight. Like I genuinely, they called me, I did a crash camp of four weeks. Um, You know, I actually asked to fight at 145 pounds because like I said, I was in quarantine. I was living life, I was happy. Um, But then that was the next challenge. I was like, you know what, she didn't want to. And I was like, screw it, like I can make the weight. So it was a good challenge, but I had fun through it. I didn't make it a stressful, event like I used to in the past like for some reason I would get in my own way and make everything really stressful mm-hmm. and then the coaches were kind of trying to pull me out of that or there were certain words that would trigger me and I learned how to like reset and it's not about what he says or whatever like it's just he slaps you or something yeah it's not about any of that like all right thanks <laughs> well we're actually about to do a sober October and so that's gonna be fun Nope, no smoke, no drink, a lot of healthy, you know, uh, the stuff that I've been doing uh, by itself, the breathing, the ice baths, I'm going to exercise, read, fast, I'm going to fast. Have you ever fasted? I have. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Um, I mean, I guess you do that to cut weight. Yeah. I mean, there's different levels of fasting. Um, People take it to different extremes and stuff. So, I mean, obviously being a professional athlete, like we have to feel our body a certain way. So I can't just go on like this juicing and everything else that everybody does and whatnot. But I mean, there's a way to detox and to lower the portions and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, There has been different points where when I did go through my surgeries, my body changed a lot um under the anesthesia my hormones really shifted uh and then i developed a thyroid issue so i mean i shot up to my heaviest i've ever been we couldn't figure out my body for nothing like the diets weren't working i tried different forms of fasting different i tried like everything you think of i even went keto and i felt like my brain was just going to completely shut down like i mean different things work for different people so it's just yeah, I'm constantly like messing around with these types of things and I find that it sharpens the mind significantly mm-hmm. when you're fasting and I guess that would make sense cuz if you needed food. You know what I actually like? It's tough because I like I said I mean I've grown up. I've been hunting ever since I was 7 and whatnot. But my last camp, I actually did um I was I told Tisha I was like, "You know what? Let's just try it." but I went vegetarian for Mm -hmm. a month and everybody was like, oh, as an athlete, like you can't be going vegetarian. You need this, you need that. Like there's stuff that comes out of meat that you can't get and whatnot. And it was just like, you know, I mean, having the knowledge and having people surrounding me who have the knowledge, I felt phenomenal being vegetarian. Like my energy was incredible. My strength, like everything that everybody said was gonna deplete Mm -hmm. just increased for me. 
But then I just had a really hard time because I really missed like bacon and steak. And so it was tough for me. But like, honestly, I went in mind just kind of going through different waves of it. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of going back to that. I felt great. I tried to do it at the beginning of the year. And at around the same time, I had taken an allergy test and I got the results about 10 days after I'd gone vegetarian to find coming to find out I have this allergic to like garbanzo beans, which is in like everything. Like everything. <laughs> and um, like a lot of fruit and vegetables. It was really weird. Like lemon, uh, coconut is another big mm. part of, uh, of a vegetarian diet. So I literally can't be a vegetarian because I'm allergic to it. But I felt lighter. I felt kind of swifter in a way for those few days and before I started breaking out. Like I felt like I slept phenomenal and then I just felt like my energy, like my trainings, like usually by the end of two hours because I put in pretty intense work, done. Mm -hmm. I was just like, this is the end of training. Like let's keep going. My coach was like, go drink some water and eat. I'm like, I still have energy for days. So then I would like jump on the bike and do more. Cause I honestly just felt like I can keep going. And by the time the end of the week hit, I actually wasn't even tired. And normally we go like a two, two, one, two, two phase for training. So it's two a days on Monday and Tuesday, mm-hmm. one training on Wednesday and then two Thursday and Friday. And then I have Saturday and Sunday off, but I was turning like those days into like all twos and sometimes threes. And then on Saturday I was like hiking all crazy just cause my, I mean, it was. And that was before this last fight. Yeah. And it was just, doing some things. vegetarian stuff like notes because it's constant progression you know the constant improvement over time is oh yeah what we're doing. i felt like the inflammation was a lot better but i also we were talking about diet on the way up here um to come see you but i just didn't one thing that i was struggling with was like because in the vegetarian diet like a lot of it like proteins and fats are kind of the same source mm-hmm so it was just like, how do I get enough protein without getting too much fat um, was my thing on certain things that like where I just wanted straight protein. I felt like for my body type, I was still getting too much fats. Yeah. Um, so that's where it was just like, okay, you know how when you try something new, it can either be positive and then all of a sudden it like plummets. Mm-hmm. Like I was scared to kind of just all of a sudden plummet and throw on all this weight that then I was going to have to take time to turn around and get off or I was going to lose like too much muscle mass. Yes, different body types require different kind mm-hmm. of things. And I, I think, like you said, you start something, it's working great. I'm like, oh, I found the answer. And then it stops working. And you're like, oh, shit. You know? <laughs> like, because typically that's how, well, like with basketball, for instance, I, it's like a weird analogy, but sometimes one, one night I'd be just be hitting everything. And I'd be like, you just got to, your finger, just like, just the right, this amount of pressure. And I, I got it from now on. I'm going to make every shot and then tomorrow comes and something else or whatever. That's how diets are. I think also, I mean, then it's hard to sustain. It constantly changes. And then too, I mean, this guy knows when you're putting your body through, when you are so used to different foods all throughout your life and then all of a sudden you take it away. And even though dieting for us is like a way of life and people see diet as like, oh, you got to eat a salad and small portions in this. Like, I mean, it's not true. Like for me, it's not even dieting. It's just kind of clean eating. But the thing is, is like when I've lived my life this long and my body fluctuates so much that like my, it just changes. And especially being a female athlete, I mean, my hormones are consistently changing. It gets harder. Your body changes every seven years and stuff. And so I've always had like a really muscular lower body. And then, you know, I mean, there's been points that I've cut weight and now all of a sudden my weight's going to different places. So my weight's going in my legs or my lower body and not in my upper body anymore. Or sometimes I'll cut weight and it's all just in my core. And it's the human body is absolutely insane, but it's also super frustrating when you're trying to dial in and find the right diet, the right macros and the different things. And then also, I mean, it's a huge discipline mentally. Cause it's just like, mm, you know, I can, I can have this sugar and this Some guy should cream. know. I mean, he was like, I just want a piece of candy. And then before you know it, he eats like three bags. Uh. Yeah. I think the craziest part when I did my bodybuilding show was I just wanted a banana and people were like, eat a banana. It's healthy. It's good for you. And I'm like, no, I can't. It's got too much sugar. Like that was a struggle. I think the diet I did for bodybuilding might've been harder than, than fasting. 
because, you know, I had to f- really force myself to eat that fish, eat the broccoli, get the fiber. And like she said, get the protein that didn't come with the fast. So I was like, crap, I can only have egg whites. You know, that, that was really tough. And But, you know, talking about how your body changes, you can develop an allergy at any time. Mm-hmm. You know, like people don't understand that. Like maybe when you were a kid, you weren't allergic to potatoes, but all of a sudden as an adult, boom, you're allergic to potatoes. Shoot, yeah. two years ago, I had an allergy to coffee. Hmm. Now look, we're having a cup of coffee. Yeah, we just had some um, <laughs> black rifle coffee. Shout out to the military. You're pro-military-ish. Yep. Seems like sometimes yeah. I see in your posts. You're my pretty... family, um, my dad was in the military. My uncle was in the majority of my family, like military. And then I've worked with a lot of military companies. Um, one of my coaches, well, actually two of my coaches were the WCAP program on uh, Fort Carson. So I worked with a lot of WCAP athletes and just being sponsored by Grant Style and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's the world class athlete program. It's like the the army sports. So like there's an army WCAP taekwondo team, boxing, Ooh. wrestling. And then you go to yeah. Olympics and stuff. Yeah. So oh, nice. we've had, we've been fortunate to be in this town to have such great places and facilities to train, and we got to go to the OTC and train, go on the army base. Yeah, five different but, military bases yeah. within. You know, mm-hmm. driving distance. And then Raquel's helped me with a couple of the Army combatives tournaments show up, help wrap hands, things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely. a blessing, you know. I mean, even though I can't always compete, and when I had my layoff going through my surgeries, like, I had the opportunity to actually travel travel around and do um, an MMA military tour. So we went to, like, Curacao, um, Turkey, Honduras, uh, Guantanamo Bay. Whoa. And we just, uh, we went to all the different military bases and we taught stuff and interacted with all the soldiers and the everything. combatives training. Yeah. Lessons. I absolutely love doing that. You know I mean? I got to do that. I, I went through combatives when I was in the, in the military and that was one of the fun parts of PE or PT sometimes. And I got certified. I, th- I would have liked to have done it more, but I just, I, practiced kind of also on the side and Mm -hmm. went to different schools from time to time but that's you know the best form of fighting jujitsu intertwined with the other martial arts it's just fun for me interacting with all the soldiers and doing that stuff especially everybody who's on like tours and stuff and away from their families and they can have something to look forward to Hell yeah. and then you know we're appreciative of their the service for our country and the different things and so you know, I mean, it's just, it's an overall cool interaction to yeah. just interact with all. They, I'm, we appreciate it. I was out, I was in Iraq and we had a couple of rappers come and do a show and, mm-hmm. um, I forgot his name, but he, it was, it was nice of them to do. And we, we appreciate it. Cause yeah, it's like, you know, you're in a war. So any kind of entertainment is, is a blessing. Oh yeah. And you guys, t- like, that's a sacrifice for you. Um, you know, it's a risk. You are like, don't know exactly what you're getting into. And so that's got to be a little bit scary. But, you did, yeah. you know, rewarding at the same time, like you said. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then you just meet cool people yeah. from all over. And... Um, we went all over the place a little bit. You were, you know, you were talking about the the psychology of going into the the ring and stuff, and we'll wrap it up relatively soon. But Cowboy's been talking a lot about that in a lot of his posts, and um, so he's finally, I think he's like the main person that even addresses it when you guys all deal with it. And I'll just give a shout out to Cowboy. <laughs> we, love, we love Cowboy. You're you're kind of friends with him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I met him through Tisha. I mean, technically through a post that he he had commented on and whatnot. And yeah, he's our buddy. We've hung out. We uh we went to his um first son's baby shower, and you know, I mean, we all support each other mm-hmm. as far as fighting and stuff and whatnot. And yeah, Colorado. Yeah, so. it's been it's been cool working with him. He's been able to and like. It just gives our brand a level of credibility and like it started with Tisha, him, you, we have so many people now. It's no, it's awesome to watch you guys grow. Yeah. I remember when it was just like, Hey, here's this company and wants to kind of get into like the fight world. And now all of a sudden, I mean, you have so many different athletes who you're working with and your material is phenomenal. Like, honestly, I, like I told you earlier when I arrived here, I mean, I live in your shirts. Yeah. Just, they're extremely comfortable, whether you're 
I'm going out on hikes, whether I'm laying around, whether I'm training in the gym or whatever it is. I mean, honestly, the material is extremely comfortable. I've told so many people or they're just like, they'll come up and hug me and they can feel the material and they're like, oh my goodness, what is this shirt? And I'm like, I don't know, but it's kind of my favorite here. Um, it honestly is a comfortable like material and product that you guys are truly producing. Nice to know. The shirts are amazing. And that was kind of, a, and we're talking about sheath and I'm sorry, we'll just do it for just a second. But oh, no, where did, so how did you like all of a sudden come up with sheath? Like what made you want to develop underwear? Like, did it come from you being in the military and yeah. just super uncomfortable? And you're yeah. like, I need something else for this. Or like, yeah. what was the deal? Literally in Iraq, it's hotter than the devil's balls. It was 2008 <laughs> in the summer in Iraq. And I was, this is my second tour. I was the NCOIC. That means I was the non-commissioned officer in charge, sergeant at a team of five. We had our own little area of operation. No, see, two, both of us got You guys are so caught. unprofessional I know. right now. Oh my gosh. And no problem. He just got a call. I'm sure it's, oh, we'll, we'll be wrapping it up. Tisha Torres is calling, but we're going we're gonna to call her right back. <laughs> um, shout out Tisha. But yeah, it was, it was in Iraq. It's very hot. And I had been issued army issued underwear, which is this like the run of the mill kind of whitey tighties. They were old. A lot of guys don't care about underwear. I didn't care about underwear. So I'm wearing just what I had, which were, you know, they, they wear them until they fall apart. Yeah. And, but in this case, it's very uncomfortable and so uncomfortable like that. I had like this epiphany that if I didn't, if my balls weren't sticking to my leg right now, <laughs> that I would be much more comfortable. And so I just had the epiphany of this pouch and I literally had some made while I was out there. I have pictures of like the prototype that I made mm -hmm. in Iraq and it was just for me, but I, I did tell people and they were like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so after years, a few years of people telling me it was a good idea and my brother really pushing the issue, we're going to wrap it up in like two seconds. But, um, we, we, we did a Kickstarter, you know, well, and actually we, we launched it before we did a Kickstarter and that was a total failure. It set us back three years because I, went with this production company that I don't want to even blame them. I'll blame myself. That it was, I messed up the production mm -hmm. and here's a, like a lesson in success. I could like most people would give up right there. I spent all my money on this first production. It was a total bomb. I couldn't sell it, but three years later we relaunched. And since then we have doubled in size annually. Um, and just getting to do what I'd like, like, working with fighters. I have a guy that comes here once a week to train me in, in martial arts and like jujitsu and boxing. Um, shout out Victory MMA. You know Gilbert? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one of his students, Dylan King. He comes out and I was going to his gym, but since I moved out here, I have them come out to me, which is a privilege, shout out. Yeah, actually, um, I mean, it's kind of cool how it all developed and stuff. And, you know, I mean, being an athlete and stuff, uh, and it's like, I wear yoga pants training and whatnot, or the days that I would wear actual, just like MMA shorts to do kickboxing or the different things. Then all of a sudden I would have like spandex underneath those. And then you have your spandex riding all over the place. Mm. So in between rounds, I'm like constantly adjusting everything. And you know, I mean, you gave me all the different styles of the um, women's underwear. So there's like the female boxers and then the boy shorts um, and then the uh, bikini ones. Uh, and I mean, they're phenomenal to actually train in. Like I love them. And so it's just like less layers to even wear and uh, just the material that goes through it. I mean, you want to talk about just feeling light and everything just being like, I don't know. You're I too guess, kind. I breathable, just... like you guys say. Yeah. <laughs> like it really just is. And so, I mean, I've had so many people in there. I've had other people reach out to me and you know, I mean, there's thicker people and they're like, do they have big people sizes? Um, and just all the different things. And I mean, I'm, it's just like, yeah, like check it out, see what works for you and the different things. But I just, I think it's cool. You have a vision and you ran with it and it is where it is now. And it's only going to continue to go up from here. Thank you. And thank you for coming. Thank you for t like driving up here and spending time with me here and Juan. Thank you for coming. Yeah. It's, thanks for uh, having us. 
it's like it's kind of like a dream come true <clears throat> to be able to do this with like you and the other guys that I get to hang out with from time to time. It's a blessing, truly blessed. It's been great, man. Have us back. Yes. And, um, you know, do you want to, like, what do you have coming up? So I was originally supposed to fight um, Fight Island October 17th, but I just had a pull from that last week. Um, I mm. currently have an injury going on. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, I've had injuries in the past. I've fought through some crazy stuff. There's some injuries that I should never fought through. Um, yeah. But like that level of maturity. That's we were smart, exactly. Yeah, exactly. that level of maturity that we were talking about earlier that just kind of hit. I mean, it's the same thing. There, I still have years in the sport, and Absolutely. if I want the longevity of it, I need to take the time right now. Um, so I'm actually listening to the doctor. Smart. I pulled and I wish more fighters would do that, honestly. Like, yeah. you know, some people fight too much. You let your body heal because when you come back, you're going to be... 100% yeah. and ready to rock and roll. So right now I got six weeks off um, at the minimum. So we'll see what the results look like after that. And then uh, hoping to get back out there. So thank soon. you. Thank you everyone for listening. Raquel Pennington, Juan Gonzalez joining us. And go to she'sunderwear.com. You know what to do there. Buy some underwear. Okay. We will see you next time. Thank you.